I think it takes around five to seven touch points from a B2B point of view to make sure that a prospect is ready to get into a conversation with you. And it's our duty as marketers to make sure that those five to seven touch points are high quality ones. Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. This episode features Sadesh Desai, an Associate Director, Marketing and Communications at Acuity Knowledge Partners. He has over a decade of experience shaping and executing marketing strategies for B2B businesses. And today talks with Drew and Ryan about managing stakeholder and leadership relationships. What's the big secret to keeping everyone happy, how to prioritize conflicting interests, and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks for free at demandjump.com today. And now, here are your co hosts, Drew Detzler and Ryan Brock. Welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is your host, Drew Detzler. As always, I'm joined by my co host, Ryan Brock. Ryan, how are we? Yo, I'm doing well. I cut my head shaving this morning, but that's probably too personal for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made it. You're good. You're good. You're alive. And uh, that's why we're uh, over the air and not on screen. So no one knows. We'll cut that. We'll cut that in post. I'm excited. We have the Associate Director uh, of Marketing Communications for Equity Knowledge Partners, Sid Desai. Sid, how are we doing? I'm doing good. And uh, thank you so much for having me on this podcast too, Andrew. Yeah, we're excited to talk, Sid. We're talking to people all the time from all over the world on this podcast. And the subject that, that we sort of uncovered for uh, this episode with our producer with you. It's it's very different from anything we've done before. So I'm excited to learn more and benefit from your perspective here. Yeah, I think uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting topic. And I kind of been in marketing through my life and uh, most of the sessions right from college and from uh, in the work, or whatever examples or any of these trainings we get, it's always about, you know, B2C and it's it's always about brands and everything. So it's, it's difficult for people in uh, the B2B space to kind of relate to some of the, you know, case studies, which probably Harvard or Stanford and all these guys will put. But I really like uh, this podcast of yours because it is very B2B specific. And that's what really got my interest. And I really like that because I think anyone who is trying to get out there and try B2B marketing, there are very less uh, resources which are relatable to them. They probably have to look at some B2C examples and kind of extrapolate and do things by themselves. So very happy to be part of this and uh, contribute uh, to the community in whatever way possible. Yeah, I agree. I love it. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk B2B, Sid. Uh, wh- why don't you lead off by telling us a little bit about Equity Knowledge Partners and, and your role there? Absolutely. So I think Equity Knowledge Partners, we are a new brand, uh, uh, but we are a, almost a 20-year-old company. Uh, we were part of Moody's Analytics before, and we were called Moody's Analytics Knowledge Services before. But post-2019, we have got independent, and uh, we had the pleasure of uh, a couple of private equity firms backing us. Uh, it's been a good 20 years for us. We are growing fast. It's a 6,000 employee company and uh, we have big visions to achieve more in 2024 and beyond. So what we do really is we provide research, analytics and data solutions to the who's who of financial services. And this includes some of the biggest investment banks, some of the biggest private markets uh, players to uh, big banks, hedge funds, uh, asset management funds and so on. We also work with uh, three out of the top five consultants in the world. I primarily look after marketing for a couple of business verticals along with that I also look at global branding and I also look at uh, the digital initiatives which also includes uh, SEO. 
Beautiful. I love it. Uh, that's good background. So tell me, so you, you mentioned SEO. Uh, obviously, we, we cover that extensively here. Tell me a little bit about when SEO first came on your radar, Sid. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And and this was when I started work uh, in, uh, in 2013. And that is the time, you know, SEO was not so established and uh, very few people knew about it. I mean, those were the days of what you say, reputation management firms is what people used to think mm, SEO yep. about. It was kind of a different era you know and uh, fast forward to now almost 10 plus years SEO has got such a strategic addition from uh, everyone in the marketing team and apart from that uh, sometimes even the board is interested in SEO so that's the amount I have seen that kind of transition from the time when I joined to now I've seen SEO grow by leaps and bounds and becoming a very important channel and a very very important kind of a pillar in terms of co-marketing so my journey in the early days really set kind of the foundation uh, on which I'm standing up as I look at the next 10 years in SEO. It's interesting, right? Because like, I feel like on this show, we find ourselves comparing SEO to like paid uh, search marketing, for example, a lot. And yeah. we tend to, to highlight the perceived benefits of a paid uh, strategy versus SEO, you know, like, like paid, it's more expensive, obviously, but like it's instant, right? You, you spend money, you put ads out, you get traffic to your website. And there's something about that that is hard for marketers to replace. But the way that you frame that has me thinking the opposite, that like, of course, in a world where every business is being crunched down to, to spend as little as they can and drive as much value as they can, it, it seems like an inevitability that that executive leadership would have to eventually realize that at least making an attempt to get all that free traffic from, from good SEO is something that has to be explored. And I've never really thought about it that way before. Yeah, and, and that's a very good point you make there, right? Uh, because these days it's like more about startups and venture capital backed or private equity backed, etc. And they have this whole pressure, you know, in terms of spending X amount on marketing spends, etc. And kind of getting the ROI. But when you look at the big picture, it's it's always about organic versus paid. And your aim should be to use paid to strengthen your organic. And if you're a good marketer and a good digital marketer, then you always have to keep SEO first and then plan it out from there. Yep, I agree. Uh, so I completely agree that uh, it's very important for leadership and key stakeholders to focus on SEO, uh, and especially in marketing and have it top of mind. Now, the way you just explained it is a beautiful pitch on how to get those leadership members and stakeholders to focus on it. Now, when it comes time to cut budgets, things are tight, we have to pull back. How do you convince your clients and those stakeholders to maintain that focus on SEO and not cut budget? Yeah, I think it, it requires a multi-layered approach, right? So when you look at the entire ecosystem, and, and I'm kind of telling you this from a middle or a, or a large organization, but it applies to smaller organizations as well. Uh, so the way you look at it is uh, who are your stakeholders from an SEO point of view? So you have your own team. These days, the teams in marketing are quite big. So there are different uh, teams like like there might be a performance marketing team, there might be a design team, there might be campaign teams, other teams, etc. So at all levels, you really need to work at improving the knowledge of SEO. So one thing that we do at Acuity is we do some of these SEO masterclasses uh, where we bring everyone to the table and kind of do these one-hour sessions where we improve the knowledge of everyone uh, on SEO. So what happens is typically when sales just does a search and they kind of see why we are not there. But 
we need to kind of make sure that they know that what is the difference between a long tail keyword and what is really like prod keywords and when you are really boiling the ocean versus when you are really targeting and achieving demand gen in the way that you want to do and that knowledge if you see it varies across different stakeholders so i think the first step that you need to do is to get everybody on the same page so that people know that okay where we are at and where we are kind of inching towards uh, that expectation management with all these different stakeholders is important and when they understand that seo is something which is which which you should look at at a 6 month 12 month 18 month 24 month plans and and then have everybody together and kind of work on it then it really works and then you'll see approvals kind of coming in of course these days people work with agencies so there might be some agencies you might be interacting to manage your seo so setting the right expectations on the agency and pushing them to achieve the results and then kind of percolating the communication across layers is important so yes I spoke a lot but that's how really i visualize it no it's just a lot of really good words there i mean it's it's super important it's the slow game it like i I personally think that SEO can be a little bit quicker than most people uh do but getting people to understand like the long-term investment is so important. The other thing that I've struggled with over the years is just like convincing um people in the positions of leadership to like trust the data and trust the people they have doing the SEO because SEO seems like one of those things where it's just so easy for an executive who thinks they know better to get in and be like, "Oh no, we're not going to write about that." Oh no, we're not going to target that keyword. That doesn't make any sense. Or why aren't we on page one for this random term I searched? Uh, it was embarrassing. We should be on page one for this random term I searched, even if it has nothing to do with our business or our strategy. And it's just like that yeah. constant education is so important because you want to like make them a part of it, but you also want them to understand that they're part of it is to just kind of be quiet and then let it go. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that totally. Yeah, I love the idea of the master classes because SEO does seem like one of those things that can be a little bit of a black box to. to certain leadership team members and yeah and it constantly changes right with these whole google core updates and and people sometimes you know get obsessed about performance whenever a google core update comes and someone in the chain they they will know that okay this is something which is coming and then they will kind of drop you a email saying uh, okay uh, what is your plan for it so i think it's important that you are ahead of the game and then you already have a plan for the new google core update and then that plan is communicated well to all, uh, to all of the stakeholders and they know that what's changing there were five parameters before now it is changing to three and we are on top of it so sometimes it's more about just letting them know uh, because they don't know how many constraints are there in the system when you're looking at seo right even from a website point of view uh, some of the sales they will like oh our website doesn't look fancy enough i mean sometimes they don't understand the constraint from an seo point of view about how much content should be there uh, how the keyword should be there and then how the whole structuring works internal linking works and it is a lot of constraints right and when you go and tell them that yes these are the constraints now you think uh, what should be the website and they'll be like oh this is looking at these constraints this is the best that we could do and it's it's like a constant democratic thing that you need to do right to get everybody together make them aware about the constraints because otherwise you'll have a very fancy website it's it's basically like a somebody who looks like a very strong kind of a gymmer or something with a great body but when you tell them to lift uh, those kilos they would probably not be able to do it so it's it's that focus and uh, that vision is very important in some of uh, some of these kind of uh, initiatives. Welcome to the Page 1 or Bus podcast folks where we put sales teams where they belong in the corner being quiet. <laughs> <laughs>
I love it. It's about time we put them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I love what you said there about managing expectations. You, you were specifically talking about uh, Google algorithm updates, but SEO in general, managing expectations, and then being able to talk folks off of ledges when things go awry or don't go according to plan. How do you manage expectations when you initially set out your SEO plan for a client? Sid? What are you telling them to expect? And what do you tell them if they don't get what they expect? That's a good question and and it's something which varies by industry it varies by uh, b2b versus b2c it varies so you just need to go deeper into that and making them understand uh, some of the keywords in itself and what's their difficulty rating in terms of how it's going versus competition and sometimes you have to get the seo uh, aspect there because if a keyword is really kind of difficult to list organically you always tell them that we'll do it with SEM and uh, we'll make sure you are in front uh, of those eyes whenever they are uh, looking for these solutions. Uh, but this is a gradual game. So I think making those expectations uh, clear at the start is important. Uh, I love what you did there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually jump back to uh, another question around stakeholder, you know, stakeholder management and leadership. So how do you help clients prioritize conflicting interests among stakeholders? You talked about SEM there. You talked about some paid search SEO. H- how do you help clients manage those conflicting interests when it comes to SEO? What you really need to look at is the end goal, uh, which is generating those leads. And then it has to be the quality of those leads and then the quality of conversations that happen, right? So initially you'll try with a lot of channels, but then you need to kind of measure each channel uh, and then have a very objective approach in what results you're getting. So the way uh, I look at it is suppose, I mean, uh, if you are kind of doing an SEM and uh, we're getting the results there, we want them to stay invested there, but we are only telling them that SEO is something that will gradually help you reduce your spends on SEM. So we have to do this. So that's how you balance. So it's also depends on what stage of the relationship you are in. You might already be, be doing really excellent with SEM and then you really want to get SEO into the picture and tell them to be patient with it and show the results. Or you might be starting from scratch and you might just tell them that just give it a couple of months or maybe three months with SEO and C and then start your kind of SEM and other paid activities. But you need to be very careful to measure the results on a quarter by quarter basis and see what uh, channels are really uh, working out for you. And then take a, a call on where do the investments need to go uh, more on. Of course, as marketers, we would want the organ- organic part to be as strong as possible because that speaks about our strength in terms of fundamentally how good we are uh, looking at the market, the target audience, getting that right fit and getting the right quality of leads from there. So it's it's an ongoing challenge, uh, but I think we should let the results and be as objective as possible over there and uh, keep taking feedback from them and um, kind of keep working on it. We work with and talk with a lot of startups uh, as a part of this podcast. And let me ask you this, is it ever an approach to lead with with paid search? Because a lot of companies are in that we need leads yesterday mentality. Uh, we need leads from marketing uh, immediately. Is, yeah. is it ever a play to kind of lead with paid search and then wean yourself off of it uh, once the, the your SEO builds? I think it depends. Uh, I mean, how how much of the pressure you can take uh, is what I would say, and specific, specifically around B two C. I think you will see a lot more people doing that because there it's it's a uh, direct product 
purchase and depending on what is the value of that purchase uh, so suppose if you're selling something which is uh, say below ten dollars you'll start getting the results with paid search very quickly and that's why many people who are uh, startups maybe they will get into that space but as the uh, size of your uh, product or maybe of your services increases right and the complexity of the entire sales cycle increases uh, you will see that you will have to take a more measured approach so uh, i think sales cycles uh, uh, govern a lot more on whether which channel should you go for i think for faster uh, cycles you should absolutely go with SEM uh, first, try to get as much as ROI on your uh, uh, ad spends. Uh, but something like B2B, it's it's a little bit more complicated, right? And you don't know whether that person is aware about your product, whether he really has a need at that moment in time. It's a mix of brand awareness plus the purchase when it happens when at the point of, of his interest. So there are a lot of points to consider. So I think with a B2B versus B2C, it's a whole different scenario. But from a B2B point of view, I would say it would be really difficult for you to go directly on a demand-based strategy with SEM. Because you have not built your brand people don't really know you so most of your spends which you'll do will go on the brand awareness side of things and then you will kind of get frustrated that okay i went with SEM, but i didn't kind of get the results so i think from a b2b point of view even if there's a startup i think it's always good to uh, spend on the brand first and then kind of uh, jump into your SEM strategy and 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 from a brand point of view, you can uh, try different channels and then you should definitely work on your SEO, uh, and, uh, SEO strategy. Well, we've seen that firsthand ourselves this year, for sure. We, we've we been doing content for as long as we've been around, right, Drew? I mean, like Drew and I met when he's like, Ryan, I want to pay you to do some content for me. Um, but, but in the last year or so, we've put a huge amount of effort into uh, like showing up at big, big industry conferences, hosting webinars with industry journals, uh, industry organizations, just getting the, the name and the concept and everything that we do out there. And, and now it, it feels like when we have leads come in and we, we want to give them the whole, let's tell you about who we are at our at our company, Demand Jump. Uh, half the time people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I already know. I already know. And, and that just makes the conversation so much easier. So it's interesting to watch that happen in real time because people know who you are. It really makes a difference. I mean, as long as you're saying something intelligent, uh, which I think we try to do anyway, I don't know if we succeed. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it takes around five to seven touch points from a B2B point of view to make sure that uh, a prospect is ready to get into a conversation with you and to kind of understand your pitch. And it's it's our duty as marketers to make sure that those five to seven touch points are high quality ones and they are either increasing the knowledge or uh, directly giving some things which benefit fit the prospect who you're trying to pitch and i think if you can do that then half the battle is won there itself and then when they come to you for that conversation i think uh, things go much smoother from there yep we talk a lot about considered purchases uh, here and we've talked about a lot about them on the podcast but it's it's a lot like what you were just explaining there especially with b2b companies the more considered a purchase is the longer the sales cycle cycle the larger the price tag uh, the more considered that purchase is and the more important SEO is to that uh, buyer journey. Well, that's great. Sid, this has been a great conversation. Before we let you go, we're going to rattle off what we call the lightning round. I will ask you a couple quick questions and we'll, we'll get your answers. Sid, 
Sid, what was the last thing that you searched for? That one is, I, I recently moved into a new place. So I was searching for compact bar cabinet. There you go. All right. I love it. Uh, and then Sid, are there any books or movies that have made you a better marketer? That's a good one. Uh, so there are these two books, which I would recommend. Uh, and I consider these as uh, absolute Bibles for anyone starting off in marketing or for anyone senior as well. So one is Everybody Writes by Anne Handley. And this is oh, yeah. it's amazing in terms of writing content. And I, I personally, I, I read, have read that book many times. I made my notes and I kind of go back to it whenever I can. And the other one is uh, Sponsor Effect by Sylvia and Willett. And I think that is a very, very nice book from a stakeholder management point of view. Uh, it's a very uh, good book that tells you how to approach the entire organization and manage stakeholders in the best possible way. So that that's a good one too. I uh, I got to meet Anne earlier this year. I just have to say, if someone brings her up, I got to say it. And she was just so, so lovely, and delightful. And I told her that I've been using uh, her book, Everybody Writes, at, at my agency for years, teaching new content writers how to do it well. Um, and she she was amazing. So shout out, Anne. We love you. She's the best. Great one. All right. Last question here, Sid. Uh, are there any marketing or SEO or content myths that you've busted throughout your career? One thing is I would probably say is making, and I think this is a bit controversial one, but uh, I'd probably say it is making higher bids on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is more for awareness and their model is very different from a Google ads model where you bid and like the highest bidder ad is shown in the first link. But LinkedIn in general, what happens is uh, everybody has budgets and LinkedIn wants everybody's budget. So uh, it's just for awareness, you can bid the lowest, your budget will get over, it will still be shown to audience. And uh, whenever they come, they are very good. Fundamentally, they have very good parameters there that the ad cannot be shown in uh, 24 hours, 48 hours again so your ads will get cycled you'll get the same amount of awareness but you can probably do it with a lower bidding strategy there so that's uh, something so the myth is uh, you don't need to really bid a high bids on linkedin fantastic that's a great one sid this has been a great conversation uh thank you again for joining us and we'll do it again thank you so much Ru, and thank you so much ryan for having me here thank you sid have a good day Are you ready to dive even deeper into pillar-based marketing? Here's your chance. The brand new book, Pillar-Based Marketing, a data-driven methodology for SEO and content that actually works by co-hosts Ryan Brock and Christopher Day is now available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook editions. Find it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or look for the link in the show notes.